every student athlete uh, is putting in uh, top effort, wants to do well, uh, has a passion for their sport. And so uh, whether you're a wrestler or play golf, play, uh, baseball, football, I, I try to treat everyone the same. We're running uh, several alternate plans to get people back and to get our student athletes back and to fit in this campus. Getting the uh, kind of well-rounded look at what student athletes go through, uh, the balance they have to have, the challenges that they face, um, success that they have, and, and how high quality they are. And go Jackrabbits! We obviously got the basketball practice gyms going, so that was a huge kind of first phase, if you will, that kept momentum going. Uh, you know, and our the one we're working on right now is the renovation of the arena and certainly the addition to uh, the wrestling facility. Horn sound. At the end of the day, what I've learned for myself, um, it's, it's about uh, the ability to get people excited about what you're doing. Kyle Sheehan here, uh, one part of the Splitting Hairs podcast contingent. And today, uh, Chad Myros and I had an opportunity to talk to the athletics director, Justin Self, for South Dakota State University. And Chad, it was a treat, man. We got we got a little taste of all things Jackrabbits and kind of the evolution of uh, his entire career in blue and yellow and, and uh, even farther back than that. And what do you think about the whole conversation? Well, you know, listening to him, I think it's it's fairly apparent why SDSU's had some of the successes that we have, you know, in the in all different areas. And, and like he points out, every every sport's important to him. And what an amazing individual! And I think how awesome he is is reflected in a bunch of our staff. Absolutely, and I think it was really cool for him to give us some accessibility that you wouldn't otherwise see across the university uh, landscape in the United States. Chad's uh, laughing uh, tirelessly right now because I said absolutely. That's but that one. That won't, that won't <laughs> be the, the first last one. Laugh. Yes, sir. We try to be consistent, just like uh, Justin uh, talked about. Mr. Sell, he's a very consistent uh, athletic director, person, uh, all the way around. And I think that that'll come out in the interview that you guys listen to here coming up. Uh, what do you think, Chad? Yeah, sit back. Have a cold one and enjoy this one because it is good. Absolutely. There's the second one. You know, I'm going to run through his bio a little bit just for those folks who may or may not know uh, some of the, the richer details about his career. So Justin joined the Jackrabbit uh, family in May 7th, 2009. He's the 12th athletic director. Now we've got 19 Division One athletics programs that he oversees. He's the head man for all of them. Does a great job of hiring uh, leaders of young men and women across multiple conferences, that being the Summit League for men and women's basketball and a number of other sports, uh, Missouri Valley Football Conference, obviously for the guys on the gridiron, and then as well as Big 12 Wrestling Conference uh, recently, uh, not too long ago we joined that conference, and then also equestrian competing in the National Collegiate Equestrian Association. We talked a little bit about it, but he's brought 38 regular and postseason league championships and continues to build on that number since 2009 and 10. He talked a little bit about it in the podcast, but we get great donor support. Uh, we, we get great family and tight-knit community uh, in Brookings uh, that carries into the university setting. And, you can't do it uh, without it. Yeah, and absolutely. That's three. You know, I had to hit him with the trifecta, but outside of that, uh, you know, the academic uh, component of it and it being a family atmosphere is incredible because they regularly across athletics post the GPA of 3.2 or higher uh, with more than 70 different majors. So it's not it's not like they're just uh, doing paper classes that they might do at some other institutions. No, nope, that's engineers, of. pharmacists, nurses, all those. Exactly. Yeah. And he's been instrumental in creating the Letter Winners Club that you'll learn there's going to be some tweaks too to continue to spearhead success for the blue and yellow. And, and man, without babbling on any further, I think it's just important to, to take a listen, really appreciate everything that he's been able to do for Jackrabbit Athletics and really the community as a whole as he's ingrained himself in that and um, just enjoy how he's uh, tried to adapt and be a good steward for for young uh, men and women as far as throughout this whole current climate as well without further ado justin sell
All right, welcome to the Splitting Hairs podcast presented by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Uh, we got a good one for you here today. Uh, Chad Myros is joining us from the takedown segment of the podcast where he covers wrestling. Uh, and we're pleased to have the athletic director for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, Justin Sell, on with us today. Thanks for joining us, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to, good to see you guys. No, it's, it's great to see some familiar faces. Uh, you know, it was awesome venturing up, up north uh, and seeing everybody again for the uh, college game day experience that the, the football team was uh, fortunate enough to earn. Um, and, you know, it was great catching up with you. So I appreciate you uh, being a fan of the Jackrabbit Illustrated content that we're pu putting out there. And, um, you know, it's been really cool to kind of just team up with everybody who's uh, shown a lot of passion for not only just football, but Jackrabbit Athletics as a whole. So uh, it's been exciting. And on that note, um, I think a little less than exciting times uh, for, for some people, but I know the people of South Dakota are probably trying to be upbeat and positive and lean on each other through this whole uh, unknown pandemic type situation. How has that changed uh, your day to day and everything you're going about as an athletic director? Uh, it flipped it upside down, 180 degrees, you know, March 12th, uh, NCA came out and said, we're uh, not going to do any uh, winter uh, championships, nor have any spring sports, you know, and so we went from having men's and women's basketball, certainly we're going to make the postseason and wrestling had uh, five guys qualify for nationals. Uh, so you're, you know, you're kind of taking that and, and pulling them off the road. And then we had all our spring sports were out playing across the country. So just trying to figure out how to bring them back, uh, get them back to campus and then get them home, get them somewhere where they were safe. And um, I, I think what, what it did, though, is it, it kind of turned everything to trying to simplify. You know, you're trying to provide stability. You're trying to uh, make people feel uh, that things are going to be okay and, and, and really to try to turn your focus to others and how do you support others. And uh, so my days have changed uh, because uh, now we don't have uh, baseball and softball games to go to. There's no senior banquets. Uh, we certainly pulled the auction off in a little different way this year, and uh, uh, that was pretty cool just to keep an event. Uh, but my days are pretty much uh, eight or nine hours of one Zoom meeting to the next and kind of going from NCA-related issues to meeting with President Dunn to meeting with uh, Summit League ADs and then meeting with our coaches and, and staff and really just trying to uh, pull, put some things together that uh, allow us to, to uh, understand we are where we are today and what decisions we have to make. And then you're running plans A, B, and C on almost everything as you move forward. So um, that's really where you got to put your preparation. And at the end of the day for me is uh, trying to make people feel confident uh, that we're going to be good here at SDSU. We're actually going to take this time and, and not only get through it, but we're going to thrive when we get on the other side of this. And um, and then hopefully being uh, good examples of um, how to stay positive and, and how to lead. I think that's the beauty of athletics. You know, I told the staff uh, probably a month ago, it's uh, we have all the skill sets. You know, none of us have a pandemic uh, experience on our resumes, but we deal with adversity all the time. We deal with changing conditions. Uh, we deal with competing. Uh, you know, there's so many things that we have in our toolbox to be able to handle these times. So, um, yeah, I've had to refocus my energies into some other things, but uh, I'll, I'll be honest, it's, it's actually been really good and it gives me great confidence to work at a place like SDSU and live in a place like Brookings or in South Dakota at times like these. Yeah, that's well put. And, and I'm sure, you know, entering into a new decade of leadership because you're in your 11th year now this month, I think I saw uh, your anniversary as, as joining uh, Jackrabbit Athletics as the head man. Um, what a way to, to kind of have to adapt to sudden change. Like I was talking about with coach Bergstrom, you know, uh, it's a new normal, but I think, uh, you know, you guys are hitting it in stride. And with that, you know, I think you've brought something like 38 championships across athletics since you, since you've been there, if that's an updated stat. So, I mean, you, you certainly took us through some, some already uncertain years as, as athletics was growing and trying to find a new identity, because as we've talked about on different podcasts, you know, the football program wasn't necessarily a power at the D2 level. So to kind of up the ante and think that, you know, we could try our hand at the D1 FCS level, that, that was a tall task in and of itself. You know, men's basketball was kind of going through some, some changes, but had good leadership, you know, with coach Nagy who had success. Um, so to take, your experience and kind of parlay it into what you have over the past 10 years 
now going into a new decade. Um, you know, what's your philosophy that kind of helped you lay that groundwork and how do you see that evolving or, can, you know, continuing to build on that in the future? Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I think, you know, those 38 championships or however many we've won to date, uh, uh, that's reflective of being around great people. And I think I learned very early on in my first year, uh, it is about people. It's about hiring the right coaches. It's about uh, hiring the right uh, staff. Uh, talented people attract other talented people. And uh, I think uh, you could see that. And certainly in the transition, uh, you know, women's basketball was successful. Uh, we had some sports that helped us kind of bridge that gap. But, you know, Kyle, my first fall here in 2009 when football made the playoffs, I think that was a major flag to put in the ground to say, hey, you know what, we can do this thing and, uh, and we can do it really well and we can do it at a high level. And, and you just saw kind of that momentum continue to build in those early years. And, and I think uh, we all need hope. We all need something to look forward to. And, and uh, I, I think the belief of this school, we already had some great things. Our academic programs are outstanding. Uh, people are outstanding. Uh, we certainly needed some facilities and develop those. We needed uh, uh, to get more into a D1 uh, budget model or being able to raise corporate partnerships and season tickets and Jackrabbit Club memberships and the auction and all those other things. But I think at the end of the day, it, it, it's just rallying people around the things that are special here, getting them to believe in it. And then all of a sudden you have a little bit of success and then you just you have to be prepared to capitalize. And I think that's the one thing that I stressed early on. Don't talk about the uh, if this is going to happen, uh, deal with the when it's going to happen and, and be prepared to walk through the door. And uh, we've been lucky to have such great coaches and then tremendous student athletes. Uh, the, those championships are all theirs. You know, I'm, I'm just happy to be uh, along for the ride. And I enjoy it uh, as, as you guys all do and our fans do. Uh, I'm, I'm just proud to be part of this thing. Well, you yeah, certainly that's... have built a family there. And I know in talking with your assistant today that uh, that was something she really stressed and I, something that Coach Stig stresses all the time. And I think that family atmosphere is hyperbole at a lot of places, but it definitely doesn't seem like it is at SDSU because everyone you talk to keeps saying the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. It's family, it's family, it's family. And I think that's some of what makes our athletic department so unique and uh, Brookings too. And maybe you can touch on, on your view of that when you first came to SDSU. Yeah, I, I think that's right on. I, th I think a lot of athletic departments, we get spread out all over the place. You know, our offices are in different places and student athletes perform on different fields and they're in different uh, facilities and locker rooms. And you have to work pretty hard. A lot of schools may get that feel in pockets or in certain programs and, um, here, I just think it's uh, truly across the entire department. And uh, we all, um, I, probably one of the things I'm most proud of is the, the 108 people that are working in this department um, really want to see SDSU do well. And then certainly want to see our athletic department do well. And then your individual sport, you know, or wherever you're involved in the organization, you want to see that do well. But I think the ability to think about being part of something bigger than yourself I think that's lost a lot in society today. I think things are so individualized. I think everything's boiled down to a Twitter box and how, you know, how much uh, content can you get in in 140 words or whatever it is. And, and uh, I think we miss a lot of context and, and we miss a lot of what really this whole experience is supposed to be about, which is building relationships, building trust, it's building uh, winning uh, and winning in a balanced way. And I think the thing I love about SDSU is um, academics have always been a priority. Uh, being a good person and part of this community or part of this institution or frankly part of this state and that we recognize we represent that everywhere we go, every minute we're out, we represent that and we need to do that at a high level. Um, and I think those are the things that probably create that feeling of, of community, of family. Uh, and it helps, you know, when you're successful or you're able to have success winning or raising money or, or uh, high grade point averages. I think that just fuels the fire. You know, I think people want to be part of that. Uh, I think uh, we've been able to attract some very talented people here because it's a place that um, I often say we have a Big Ten or Big 12 mentality. Uh, yet we have a mom-pa feel, and, and that's unique. You just don't find that anywhere. And so we can do it with high integrity. We can do things the right way. And then guess what? We can go out and beat it too. And that uh, uh, feels pretty good. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because being, being someone uh, like yourself who probably didn't grow up, you know, really tracking Jackrabbit Athletics, 
um, throughout the course of my childhood. But when you get to Brookings, it kind of has, it kind of has like a, I don't know what the word would be. It just, it, it, it gets you enamored with the place, right? You know, you kind of, it kind of has this, yeah, charm. It has a charm. Uh, very, very true to the ethic, very like Midwestern feel, very homey. Um, and you know, nowadays, like you're saying, things are, are so individualistic, not only for, you know, maybe athletes, but definitely for coaches who are maybe looking for resume builders and, and certainly the administrative level. So how, how has Brookings marked you to maybe want to, you know, really just what coming up on your second decade now uh, in blue and yellow, how has that uh, left a mark on you? Well, I think the first is I've been here 11 years, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you don't stay in places that you don't love, you know, and, and I think uh, it does, it gets its teeth into you. It's, I moved here and, uh, you know, I've got four kids and, and so the oldest was in eighth grade at the time and uh, now uh, uh, she's at uh, University of Louisville getting a PhD. Uh, my son Zach's teaching here uh, in, in town at Madari Elementary School and teaching phys ed and then I have a sophomore and a freshman here on campus and so uh, in Brookings, cool. South Dakota, this university is our life. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's marked us. It's uh, something that I think uh, we always look at maybe the grass being greener at a bigger place or bigger budgets or, um, you know, a power five schools. And I just, my wife and I just have never evaluated things that way. Uh, I think happiness is, is always number one and, and family and, and family feeling great uh, about where you are. And that's professional and personal. Uh, when you mix those two, I just don't know that it can be better than South Dakota State University. And uh, I've worked for two really great presidents. Um, I'll be honest, in AD jobs, that's probably maybe a number one factor of whether it's a good job or not, because it can get awfully tough if you don't have that support. And, and uh, this campus community and, and the Brookings community really embraced my whole family from day one. And, and you could feel it. And it was genuine. And so it's just continued to grow over time. And yeah, I can't imagine uh, being anywhere else than being a jackrabbit. That's good to hear from a fan perspective, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. If your own kids are going to, to the university, I mean, it's, you got to have a, a real passion for it. So and, that's awesome. And it really is a family affair because doesn't Jenny work for the university as well? For the Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she might, she might have a, a bigger or more impactful role, at least on a daily basis with the student athletes and uh, doing their academic advising. And uh, she's been doing that over seven years. And I think, you know, what's been neat for me, um, and she works over in the Dykehouse Student Athlete Center, so I actually probably see her less than I see most of our other employees. But, uh, you know, I think getting the um, kind of well-rounded look at what student athletes go through, uh, the balance they have to have, the challenges that they face, um, success that they have, and how, and how high quality they are. And she remarks on that all the time. And then our coaches are just tremendous in that, uh, in that perspective as well. Um, you know, it's, it's made me a much better athletic director, uh, having that connection. And I feel like I always tell student athletes, I know you way better than you think I do, uh, because I, I hear the stories and I hear what they're going through and I hear it from her eyes too. And so it's been a family, uh, a family affair for us here for sure. And, um, I think most student athletes uh, that have worked with her would say, uh, the same thing she, at the end of the day. Uh, they're like our kids. You know, I, I have 504 kids uh, every year uh, here, and uh, that's how we try to treat it and, and work at it. And, and then if we do that right, and Kyle's a great example, uh, you become a jackrabbit for life. You know, that connection's there, and we'll, we'll always be here uh, for uh, all of our student-athletes. Well put. You know, I, you talked about balance, and having family on campus certainly probably helps because you feel a little bit more connected, even though you're not in the same physical building. But in terms of balance, you know, we have uh, several different conferences that you have to try to manage and um, approach probably uniquely at each one, that being the Summit League, the Big 12 for wrestling, uh, Missouri Valley Football Conference for football, and then uh, the National Association for Equestrian. Uh, I think our, uh, if I'm getting that, that organization correctly, how do, you, how do you balance each one in terms of your approach and and uh, talk a little bit about how that may be different than maybe a yeah. power five who is straight big 10. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's um, maybe become more interesting, especially in the last five years, because I've, I've been part of the division one council. And so I've been involved nationally with a whole bunch of uh, um, 
uh, committees and, and led some groups and worked on transfer issues and time demands and all the student athlete experience things. And one of the things that happens when you do that, I'm a representative of the Summit League at those meetings, but I'm also a representative of the Missouri Valley Football Conference. So I get to wear two hats there. And, and what that's done is it's tied me more into the conference offices because we're dealing, I'm constantly getting feedback uh, from the group and, and how we want to go approach things from a national perspective. And so uh, I've been able to really click in and probably get way more involved than uh, an average AD um, in a league uh, because of those roles. And so they're, they're very important. There are some nuances and differences, but I, uh, I enjoy the opportunity to kind of have the um, uh, national perspective and to be able to leverage that. And it's been beneficial for us at SDSU because we're kind of on the front edge of a lot of those things. So we can put some of those things into play pretty quick. And, um, and then at the same time, the challenge is then to set your SDSU hat aside while you're trying to determine how to handle issues that are um, industry-wide and that every student athlete has to deal with. And so um, in the last five years, my, my perspective has broadened tremendously and my engagement with those uh, conferences is, is very different than it was probably my first five years. And so you've worked yourself into a role a little bit with the NCAA, like you were saying. Can you tell us a little bit about your work on the uh, transfer committee that you were on and, and the proposal you guys came up with and the results there and how you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was an original kind of transfer working group. And so what you're working through is all those um, kind of measures and, and really trying to prioritize um, when student athletes transfer. And there's a lot of great reasons for that. I think we often just take the one example of a football student athlete or a men's basketball student athlete that got denied opportunity to transfer and, and then that becomes very public and it doesn't look good and and uh, people don't feel great about it uh, but when you uh, pull back and you look at it you know I would say 85 or 90 percent of transfer is healthy um, they're healthy for the student athlete coach wants to support that um, that student needs that we also needed to make sure though that academically you're hitting the measures that allow you to be successful and still graduate when you transfer and I think a lot of times the, the public nature is it's a playing deal. You know, I'm, I'm going to move, I'm going to move up or I'm going to move on to another school to get a starting spot. Uh, but there's so many other layers to that. And so we did a lot of, I thought, really good work, uh, developed the portal, which just really for student athletes, it opens the door to be recruited above board and ethically. So, and that will take a few years to get perfectly right. Uh, but it allows coaches that opportunity to recruit those student athletes too. And so I think there were some great things in terms of freedom for student athletes to have a little more control in that decision um, and not being able to be denied so easily. I thought that was really important. And then the next big step, um, and we'll tackle it here this fall and, and vote uh, in January of 2021, is a uniformity in rules. So right now, five sports currently have to, when they transfer, they have to sit out. Um, unless they get a waiver. And so uh, you've got a majority of the sports that have the one-time transfer exception, so they're able to play right away. Uh, you know, a lot of the statistics show that they have tremendous success in doing that. And so we need to modernize that. I think it's important that all student-athletes are uh, equally in that regard. And um, at the end of the day, you try to build respect. You know, the, the student-athlete should come in and talk to the coach uh, at the end of the season before they leave and work out those things. And then you find out whether it's going to work or not. And there's a right way to do that. And there's a right way from a professional coach who's been at it for a long time. But there's a right way for a student-athlete to behave in that, too. And I think it's on us to continue to teach how to go about doing that. And for me, at the end of the day, I want people happy, you know, and if you need to go and, and there's a reason for that, then I'll give you a hug and try to help you get to that next place. And, and, and we'll move on from there. And I'm, Kyle, you, you, you uh, um, are a great example of, of uh, that case, you know, and so I think we made a lot of headway. We're just at the finishing line. We got to walk it over and, and we'll get there. That's, that's great insight. I, I think that it was really odd during my uh, my years of transferring from Purdue out out to South Dakota State because it really felt very punitive on the player from from the player's perspective because there were intra conference rules in terms of transferring, um, which is good uh, you know on a, a number of levels 
making sure commitments are honored, not allowing, you know, uh, keeping everything above board, like you said, as far as other schools within the conference, maybe uh, chiming in and trying to, you know, earn them away after they've already signed. But by and large, you know, when you're dealing with 18 to 22 year old kids and, you know, they're oftentimes leaving great distances for the first time from home. And maybe they haven't had parents who played uh, college athletics at all, let alone at a high level like South Dakota State. I think it's it's great to kind of, like you said, take take into account the whole context and keep everything in perspective that it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of money being being driven into uh, to athletics. But at the same time, these are real people with real lives who are trying to have real experiences uh, and, and grow into being an adult and a contributing uh, member of society. So I commend you guys. Hopefully it continues to evolve and big changes like that are slow. So I'm not going to be too bitter on, uh, on not getting all these opportunities, specifically all the endless meals that they're getting now and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Full cost of attendance, which is the yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, and, and, and isn't it interesting, though, you see the dynamics out there and you could get into name, image and likeness is kind of the other issue. But, um, you know, I think people forget, first off, uh, student athletes today are having the, by far the best experience that's ever been had. Uh, you know, the, the best athletic training and strength and conditioning facilities, uh, scholarships, opportunity. And, and we can't forget that. And I think as we deal with some of these issues, if you look the last three or four years, when you look at the things we've done for health and safety, concussion management, nutrition, uh, mental health, uh, time demands, early recruiting, transfers, uh, we've worked on a lot of stuff. And I think people kind of forget that. And we do a poor job in the NCAA business of uh, saying, hey, look, we've made some tremendous advances. We still have some things to do, yes. Uh, but that doesn't mean we're starting at zero or that there's no redeeming value to a student-athlete experience. There's tremendous value. How do we continue to work on enhancing that? And that's evolution. That's part of continuing to get better. And so I, we're going to get there and we're going to be able to do some good things uh, within that context. But I think uh, we've done some really good work uh, and, and I think it gets uh, 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 kind of lost in the shuffle, if you will, uh, at times. Definitely. And I kind of want to kick it off into a different direction here and talk a little bit about, you know, the non-revenue driving sports, as, as you'd call it. And uh, this is going to be a little more in Chad's wheelhouse. But and what we've done, and in, in, I say we, what you guys have done with wrestling uh, is just been it's, remarkable, it's man. It, it, yeah. It's we. It's uh, we. There you go. Thank you. If you I say we, like, then you yeah. have buy-in, and that's great for us. There you, there you go. There you go. Uh, that's our stamp of approval. But yeah, what you've done with wrestling has just been incredible. Like, I, I remember, you know, we've had we had some good D2 success. Um, Kanich, Kanachni, Kanachni, yeah, help me out with that, those German Paul names. Stuff, there you, go. you know, um, but those are, we've had success at that level. But now to see, and even like track and cross country, the success they've had. Talk a little bit about, you know, wrestling, how you've built that engine especially now in, uh, you know, being in the Big 12, which has a lot of, you know, great lore and history. Um, so how has that kind of come about and taken, taken on its own evolution? No, and I, and I appreciate you saying that. I think first and foremost, and I, I've kind of grown up in this business, um, I, I, uh, it, from a perspective of every student athlete uh, is putting in uh, top effort, wants to do well, uh, has a passion for their sport. And so uh, whether you're a wrestler or play golf, play, uh, baseball, football, I, I try to treat everyone the same. Um, we, we certainly have business decisions we have to make, and there are some things that drive the business without a doubt. But that doesn't mean I can't make you feel great about your experience here, no matter what sport. And you look at women's soccer, uh, baseball obviously made it to the NCAA regionals. Uh, men's golf made it to the two regionals. Uh, softball, Krista Wood's done an incredible job turning uh, our softball program around. Dan will do the same in volleyball. And so you look across the board and what Rod did and uh, has done in track and field and uh, win the indoor championship a year ago and then all the cross-country titles, I mean – We've had tremendous success, and, and wrestling is one that, for me, there's a little personal pride in that. I think uh, working in northern Iowa for 10 years, I mean, you're in the middle of it. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a primary sport in high school athletics. It has unbelievable history and tradition when you look at the University of Iowa, uh, Iowa State, and UNI, and success they've had in wrestling. I got a chance to run the national duels 
uh, put in a bid and, and got it to the Unidome. So we ran that for several years and then ran the All-Star Classic as well. And so I probably more than the average athletic administrator had a chance to really be engaged with uh, the wrestling community and uh, and they embraced me and it gave me a chance to really learn about how special the sport is, um, what they go through uh, physically, uh, mentally, with nutrition. Uh, I think it's it's got to be the toughest sport uh, out there, honestly. I, I just think there's so many challenges to that. And I just, I've grown to really respect uh, what they all do. And I think those experiences, you know, when I got here, um, SDSU did have some tremendous uh, years in, in Division Two. Uh, we struggled a little bit transitioning. Uh, no question, that was one that uh, we had a hard time kind of getting over the hump. And uh, to really be able to say, hey, look, you know, I, I sat in one of our um, uh, schools uh, probably a couple of years into into this thing, and there may have been 300 people there, and it was pretty dead in the building. And I just – I remember turning – I turned to Leon Costello, who's now the AD at Montana State, and I just said, look uh, – we, we either got to do one of two things. We got to get out of this business or we got to decide we're all in and we're going to do this thing well. And so, you know, we, we pushed it all in and said, let's go, uh, let's go after this thing. Let's, uh, let's build a winner. It's an exciting sport. The fan base is one of the most incredible fan bases you'll ever see. And I think my number one sporting event uh, that I've ever been to live is uh, Division One National Wrestling Championships, in particular Friday night. Um, I mean, it doesn't get any more intense in any sport in any building uh, than the sport of wrestling. And, uh, you know, so I just I got hooked. Uh, I got hooked on it and um, been pretty lucky to kind of put some things together, hired a couple of really good coaches. And and then we've had uh, some tremendous student athletes come along and where Damien has us today. I mean, if you're a wrestling fan at SDSU, you cannot be not be excited about where this thing's going because, I think uh, not only are we going to be a top 10 program, I think we got a chance to uh, wedge ourselves in the top five. And then you never know from there on a given year how things will work out and get enough All-Americans and national champions. And uh, we could do some pretty interesting things here. So I'm really excited about it. Well, we've talked a lot on our podcast about the upcoming Frost renovation and what that means to wrestling and asked Han, and I'm not going to let you off the hook. Uh, what, what's your thoughts? Where are we with that? And what, what do we need? Where, where are we going? Yeah, uh, Dame, don't worry. Damien doesn't let me off the hook with it either. I think he asks every day. And right now they're looking for things to do. So, uh, but, you know, I, I think uh, Frost Arena obviously is going to be a critical piece uh, when we put our original master plan together with athletic facilities. And uh, I think we did it exactly how we needed to. Um, I said all along, had we not done the indoor facility first, and let's say we did the stadium, um, I'm not sure we would have ever gotten an indoor facility, honestly. And I think we needed to start there and to do a $32 million that was all privately fundraised. Uh, I think it gave people tremendous confidence we could get this done. Stadium is done in a very different way because you're using, uh, um, certainly we raised over $30 million, but the rest of it was bonded. So we pay it off with, you know, sweet sales and premium seat sales and all the other things that go into that. And so that's just a different financial model to get that done. Frost is probably a little bit of a hybrid there. Uh, majority needs to come from uh, donors and, and private fundraising. And so, uh, we've been working on that pretty hard here the last year uh, in trying to just – we need that lead donor to kind of kick it off. I think we've got a tremendous uh, base of donors and people are really excited. I mean, it, certainly in this town, uh, Frost Green has created so many memories. It's probably – it might be the most well-known uh, facility in the state of South Dakota, uh, really. And so – uh, trying to take great care to renovate it in a way that it still feels like frost and yet uh, upgrades that experience for our fans and student athletes. And a big component of that is the wrestling piece. We obviously got the basketball practice gyms going. So that was a huge kind of first phase, if you will, that kept momentum going. Uh, you know, and our the one we're working on right now is the renovation of the arena and certainly the addition to uh, the wrestling facility. Uh, Damien and I agree with him 100% knows if we get that thing done, uh, that will be the thing that puts us up in that top five category because, uh, you know, the way he coaches, uh, his ability to recruit, and you throw that facility piece in the mix, and 
I think this thing's over. So uh, we're highly motivated. Wrestling fans have been awesome so far. Uh, we've raised over $2 million uh, from the wrestling supporters uh, towards that uh, um, part of the project. So that's a, a tremendous start, which probably gets us about halfway there uh, with that uh, facility. And then as you move forward, you got to look at uh, phasing. You know, if, if again, like the practice facility for basketball, if Frost is taking a little longer, but we can raise the money for wrestling, uh, how do we go ahead and get that portion done uh, is another phase leading into the renovation of Frost. So uh, it's a high priority for us and, and one that uh, we're working hard to get done. And uh, any wrestling fans that are out there listening to this, uh, uh, get, you know, help us out. That that's the it will. That's the key piece. Is we just need to kind of finish that thing. But uh, you know, and and when you get that done, uh, and you both know that the impact of facilities on a program. But to say to have Frost with those um, uh, pieces and the practice facility and the wrestling facility, to have the stadium, uh, Dana J. Dykehouse, and then to have the um, S. Jack we're good for the next 40 or 50 years. I mean, uh, you know, to knock that off in this short of a time frame really speak volumes to SDSU supporters and their willingness to help take us to a new level. And that's why our future is really, really bright. I think it also speaks to your leadership and vision. I, I mean, that's obviously a big, big portion, portion of that, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. And I spoke with Damien on the last pod and, you know, he, he goes on for a little bit, um, but I, I listened. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. I'm, I didn't know we had you as a listener, there but but after listening to that guy, there's no doubt that you'd walk through a brick wall for him. And, and we got some really great young young guys coming up. Want to keep your eye on Cade DeVos. Um, so, yeah, I I'm really excited for the program. Where do we sit right now? As far as uh, are we at the full 9.9 scholarships? Uh, do you know that? You know, I don't because we uh, we did some fundraising uh, for the extra. Like when when uh, Jason Lyles was here, my first couple of years, we were actually pretty far below that, and uh, we've been adding to that. So I think uh, based on fundraising, Damien has the ability to um, to get there. Uh, certainly, we've always got to balance Title IX in those conversations as well. Um, you know, and we've got all of our women's sports are fully funded, so. Uh, you know, wrestling is certainly one. And then uh, baseball, men's track and field, uh, men's golf are a few that are um, have been traditionally below the maximum limits. Uh, but I, I think wrestling's right there. I, it hasn't been an issue uh, uh, with Coach Bono or uh, with uh, Damian in regards to uh, what we have in terms of scholarships. So our big challenge actually is more moving forward, uh, trying to trying to generate enough revenue to do some cost of attendance. I think when you get in, especially equivalency sports, so those that don't get full scholarships, uh, men's and women's basketball get full scholarships, volleyball gets full scholarships, most of our other sports are um, on uh, what's called equivalency. And if we can help student athletes fill the gap to pay their education with some cost of attendance, I think that's a tremendous place for us to get to. Uh, uh, you know, and, and so we're working pretty hard on being able to do that. That would be the other piece beyond the facility that would really help Damien uh, move up a whole nother level. Yeah, you know, I want to talk a little bit about it. We've talked about it on the football podcast uh, with Matt, but part of Stig's ability to, I think, carry success on for as many years as he has through the transition is his ability to delegate. Obviously, other coaches have had real great opportunities uh, to advance not only their careers personally, but also provide a little bit uh, better lives for their families. And maybe they had those those dreams and aspirations all along uh, when they began their coaching career. But um, you've kind of written the book on private donorship and fundraising, and, and you're going to play the humble card, and that's okay. But how how have you done that and delegated? Because I know you yourself have probably had a lot of staff turnover um, throughout the years. So talk a little bit about that and your approach to marketing and fundraising. Yeah, I think it's interesting. So I, I'm a guy who grew up kind of on the facility and game management side of the world. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up on uh, corporate relationships or donor relationships or uh, big old marketing plans. That really wasn't necessarily my background. Um, I did it by extension and running events and things. But I think at the end of the day, what I've learned for myself um, it's it's about uh, the ability to get people excited about what you're doing. 
and, and that they want to invest in something that uh, actually means something. It, it has value to them, but also that you're good stewards with that, that you're going to deliver um, when you say you're going to. And it's going to, so if I say, hey, we need to get this wrestling facility done and we're talking about here are the reasons why, well, that's great. We get it done. You better deliver. And I think that's the one thing we've done kind of year after year after year. Every time we've, I've shook somebody's hand and said, thanks for donating. We've been able to make them feel great about their gift to our program and that it really did make a difference. And they want to give more, you know, and that keeps that going. And I think there's just, uh, for me, it's about being genuine. It's about laying things on the table and saying, hey, uh, Kyle, would you get excited about this idea? And if so, then let's figure out how you might be part of that uh, and and kind of working together on that. I have some really, really good fundraisers and, and some sharp minds. I, I think Leon was uh, unbelievably talented in his time here. It's almost like having athletic directors here for a while, you know, and I think that your ability to continue to stretch and, and get more numbers in uh, is critical. Um, but, you know, I'll say this about SDSU. We have probably four or five donors and they're individuals and some companies that literally have changed the face of not only athletics, our institution and probably Brookings community. Um, and many of them obviously are statewide. Um, their willingness to support us, you know, we, we've probably had over six, $10 million gifts, uh, you know, like those numbers, you can go to power five schools and they don't raise money in that way. They raise it through uh, seat donations to football games uh, and they raise a lot of money that way. We, we raise it through people uh, being willing to write big checks to make things happen. So when you're getting $10 million checks to start some of these projects, it gives people hope and belief you're going to get there. And I think that's the thing, uh, um, you know, for me, I think what, what I feel great about is they obviously have trust and confidence in SDSU that we're going to deliver. Um, and if I've been a small part of helping do that, that's awesome. But the, the people are the ones that have just taken this thing and I can't give them enough credit. And probably the best example is the two for one match in the, uh, the auction uh, that the anonymous donor does every year. You know, that person wrote over a million dollar check this year. Uh, to help feeding South Dakota, to help high need scholarships on campus, and then to set a record for athletic scholarship fundraising, and that doesn't have that number is so 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 much higher than anywhere else in the country. I mean, most Power Fives don't do five hundred thousand dollars in a one day auction, and we've done over a million now four years in a row, uh, and that speaks volumes to that person. And I think. You know, it's, it's reflective of what SDSU is, and that's a willingness to give and, and not require recognition to do so, to know that you're, you're making a difference in people's lives. And we just have so many examples of that. That's why I pinched myself, and it, that's why this is the best athletic director job in the country. But I, I think I'm a good example of you don't have to have necessarily come up in, in the world of just asking for money or doing those things. If you believe in what you're doing and if you can communicate well and you can get others excited about it, that to me is the simple piece. I've never slid a piece of paper across the table with a number on it to anybody. Yeah. It's always been, hey, what do you think of this idea? And then they'll usually throw out, I might ask them for three million bucks. They'll say, well, how about 10? Will that get us started? Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> nice. We'll have to have a conversation off air about how we can monetize the podcast a little bit, maybe. You <laughs> yeah, know. But you know, I I think you speak to something that's really consistent, uh, which is you know people want to know what they're getting. Either you know consistency. They want to know you know that the same person is showing up, the same message is there, uh, something they can believe in, and that ability to deliver time and time again is, is crucial. And um, I don't want to let you off the hook on this. Not that I'm going to, you know, put you on the hot seat, but we, in 2009, we set records uh, for football attendance, 2016, a championship season set records for football attendance. And now as kind of the game day experience has evolved uh, big time to one where the lay fan is maybe a little bit more difficult to connect with because there's so many different things pull, pulling at our attention, you know, we're, we're creatures who our attention spans are like fish now. We see something shiny and we, we go chase after that. What is the department doing as a whole? And obviously taking into account things may change drastically with what we got going on uh, in society, but 
what are, what are you guys doing to try to engage those lay fans to try to drive more attendance so that maybe we can get more dollars into the student athletes pockets? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, a great uh, um, question because I think, uh, and you're right, when I got here, and, and certainly success helped, but I don't know if you remember the, um, the game against uh, Southern Illinois. Uh, we're playing in first part of November. It's 55 degrees. It's beautiful, 60 degrees, and, right. uh, and we're undefeated playing for a conference title, and we had 6,000 people show up or something, you know, and, and – um, and yet then the next two years, uh, we, we didn't have quite as successful seasons on the field, but yet our in, uh, attendance increased uh, both of those years. And so as you are building the stadium, you're going, well, wait, uh, 11,000 seats in this thing isn't enough. Uh, you know, we wanted room to grow. That's obviously why we went with 20. Uh, you know, how, how do you get there? And so we're certainly in that spot where um, we need to take that next step. And, and I think, you know, I'll say this uh, straight out. I think our tailgating experience needs to improve. I think it's, it's gotten better. I, I think it's good in some ways. If you're a longtime fan or if you're in the north uh, a lot or you're a sweet holder or some uh, East Stadium, there's some spots that are more of your big-time college athletic football Saturday tailgating places. But then to your point, the general fan and, and our ability to get them here, if we don't look at how we handle alcohol sales in the building and how we handle uh, managing tailgating and, and tying some of those experiences together, we tried a few different things last fall with uh, some groups and trying to bring them up uh, from Sioux Falls and, and uh, even parking and tickets. And, and we tried to do a little bit of a beer garden. Uh, it was maybe a little too restrictive to be successful. So we got to work on that. But you know, I think that's part of our state just getting over a little bit of the conservatism and, and having faith and trust that we can run events. Um, everyone takes the alcohol conversation as almost a negative. And if you go across the country, uh, I have 150 articles of schools that have done this in the last three years that are very successful. Uh, they have less problems in their stadiums, actually, by uh, serving alcohol. And so uh, we've got to find a way to balance that. And, and the last piece to that is land-grant schools are about access. And unless you're willing to pay top dollar to be in the club or up in a suite, you don't have access to alcohol, yet we're still serving it in the building. And I find it hard uh, to uh, rectify that conversation when you're talking about the guy uh, farming his field in the afternoon and wants to come up to the game at six o'clock, they come in and can't buy a beer. I, I think, you know, we're working towards that. And I do think we'll get there and we will handle it the right way. Um, we want to be part of this institution, which is part of the border region. So we've got some things we got to make sure that we do right. Uh, but I do believe we'll get there. And then the whole interactive piece, you know, uh, we're, we're working on um, uh, some extra boost on cell towers here right now this summer to try to help uh, increase that so when people come to a game, your device works, you can check other scores, you can interact with the scoreboard. We've got to do more of that as well. Um, and then can, I think in loosening a little bit in regards to tailgating, that brings us students, you know, and students make or break uh, the environment and the place. And we have a lot of games. It's absolutely incredible. Our students do a great job. And uh, we have some other games that are challenges when you play Indiana State on, uh, uh, you know, the first week of October and you got a Monday holiday. I mean, there are just some yeah. challenges that you face there that we've got to find other ways to overcome. Because, Kyle, you know as well as I do, I mean, this is the most successful run. And you are part of kind of starting this thing off. And I hope you guys always take pride in that because we aren't here without you. But we have elevated every year and continue to build off that. And, and this fall, we have probably – the most talented team we'll have ever had here at SDSU. This team has a chance to do some damage and go all the way. Uh, we've got to find a way to match that competitive success with fans at the stand. So, but I will also say we have great fans. I, you know, I think we get into these discussions and it's almost like a one or the other. Well, your fans are terrible because you don't get this. No, that's not true. We have some great fans. We do need to figure out how to reach out to a little different group. And then at the end of the day, Sioux Falls is going to have to drive 45 miles up here. I mean, and that's for men's and women's basketball. That's for wrestling. That's for football. We've got to find a way to – and I always say this, it's about activating the 11,000 alums we have in Minnehaha and Lincoln County. We have to activate them. They're there. They're wearing SDSU stuff around all the time, right? 
we have to get them to want to come up and be part of that and contribute. And you saw what happened at college game day. The only difference between college game day and, and a, a different game is them. Like we can have college game day environment every weekend if, if people will come and be part of that. And you know, the outcome uh, dealing with all the adversity and, and the injuries that we had to overcome and the, the youth to get to where we were in that college game day showdown against the team up north, I think was just incredible because I still walked away, even though the outcome wasn't what we wanted, just being blown away by what, how Brookings, the community showed out the, the influx of, of revenue for all the small businesses there that probably are, have, have done a good job helping carry through some of these tougher months. Now it's just, you know, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. If there can be good education around the alcohol issue, um, and then some good reg some common sense regulation. I think you're going to get that activation of the, the different fan bases that you're talking about from some of the surrounding communities. And, and on that note, I know we've kicked it around on different podcasts. Historically, when you, when you showed up at the helm, you did a good job of creating some new traditions. I think it'd be kind of cool to uh, maybe infuse a little ring the bell mantra and maybe get some of those donors to fork up some coin or, or to make a contribution to create an actual bell to kind of get that going and maybe have a celebrity. I'm just spitballing here and who knows, yeah. but I think that would be, I think that would be a really cool thing. And it'd be a way to honor, you know, historical legends like your Zenners, Winnikeys, or even other sport athletes, you know, like your Nate Walters, uh, NBA draft pick, or, you know, Blake Trinan, MLB all-star, you know, guys like that and, and gals as well. I, I like your idea. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to write it down. You're now making me have to do more work after this podcast, but that's, uh, that's okay. Uh, because we talked, we talked, I think out by the university suite, actually on the upper level, there's a little deck out there that probably yeah. would be, you can walk right down and you can probably do something there that would be pretty cool. Uh, pretty centralized, all the fans and the experience. So I, I'm, I'll take that to my, my marketing folks. We'll give already, you credit. There's already a Ruder King. So there you go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, Chad, Chad will negotiate my contract, my cut of that. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. well, we, how many years would you say you think it, it's going to be before we see that alcohol? Is that a five year thing? You think that'll happen in the next five years or the next 10 years, maybe? No, I don't. I think uh, I think we're moving in a good direction right now. I, I, you know, obviously with everything that's taken place and just trying to get through the political system to get it done, um, you know, it's it's unrealistic to think this fall. I'm I'm trying to put all my efforts and energies into um, the, working through this fall to have it ready next year. I mean, I I don't uh, see why. Uh, and given the financial challenges we all face, and everyone always thinks you just you make money on your beer sales or your wine sales, whatever. Um, it's honestly, that's one portion, but it, it increases the value of corporate sponsorships. You sell more tickets because more people want to come to your venue. Uh, there's so many other ways that you activate that, that it's the it's all of those categories added up that make a huge financial difference. And if we want to move this forward, uh, we're going to have to be creative about where we find that revenue. And we can't continue just to rely on the same people that give every year. I, I don't think that's fair to them. The best respect I can give them is go out and find a lot of new people. Well, we got to turn them on. And and once we do that, um, those numbers will come. And Kyle and I have talked before. I mean, our former student athletes are critical to this. You know, I'm, I'm making a huge push here this summer. We're kind of retooling our letter winners approach and, uh, doing some things to really get after uh, former student athletes, especially the D1 era. Um, they, they had a completely different experience and uh, we need those student athletes to step up and, and start now. And it's not about thousand dollar checks and $10,000 checks. It's about getting engaged and involved. And if they can do that and we can get those numbers growing, uh, it'll pay off in huge dividends. Uh, uh, five and 10 years down the road, this place, uh, the next set of leaders will be really thankful if we do that work. Well, I know I've never regretted my drive back and forth from Sioux Falls, and I just wish some other people would hear that. <laughs> well, keep, well keep, keep telling them. And, and Rhino's done some good things with the Jackrabbit Football Players Association. So we got some of that started right now. And yep. you now wrestling's got the Jackrabbit Wrestling Club, which is offering some opportunities to our wrestlers that they wouldn't have otherwise. And that's part of that whole holistic approach you keep kind of bringing up. So 
I think that's pretty cool and some good things happening there that maybe don't happen elsewhere. Yeah, we've been lucky. You know, the Excellence Funds, each of our programs has the ability to go raise some money for, for their program. And I think those have gone up from 200000 two years ago to 800000 this year. So uh, the, the sport programs and the former student athletes are doing a great job of stepping up and, and trying to impact those experiences. We use the term Excellence Fund for a reason. Uh, we're not here to be just good. You know, we, we want to take that thing and go to another level. And, and uh, to do that, there are certain things that we have to have the capability to do. And I think our, our fans and our former student athletes and folks that are contributing fully understand that. Certainly, you know, and I want to talk a little bit about the climate uh, that's going on right now and how it may impact some of the different revenue streams that that different sports have. You know, I know football uh, often has really excellent showings in their team camps. Uh, that help you know put some put some money in coaches' pockets during that time period and maybe um, allocate it to different uh, necessities throughout the course of the football season. I know basketball probably has a lot of team camps uh, throughout the summer. Uh, with all the misinformation and all the influx of new information out there, what what are some of the regulations as far as what you guys are able to do this summer? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been interesting. Thing, things have certainly been kind of shut down. The only things we could really do were uh, virtual and, and, and being able to connect and make sure student athletes were able to get online and finish their semester or for some their degree, um, you know, to be able to make sure their mental health and anxiety stress that we could, you know, we had some freedom and flexibility to reach out and do that. But not being able to physically be together makes it difficult. I think what you'll see here in the coming weeks is, um, you know, states and, and regions and universities uh, are in different places in their ability to open. And I think you'll see some flexibility and uh, voluntary uh, opportunities for student athletes. And, you know, we're currently looking at how we uh, maybe get the weight room going. And it'll, it's funny, you say open, but it's still restricted. You know, it might, we might be only able to have eight guys in at a time or eight gals in at a time. And, and uh, you know, how do you start opening so they can get some voluntary workouts and at least start doing some weight training and maybe simply uh, getting into a gym to shoot a few baskets just to do some stuff. And I think you'll see that carry thir certainly through the month of June uh, without the activity. We won't be able to be together. You can't play pickup games or seven on seven in football. You can't do the wrestlers obviously can't train together and, I mean, those are being prescribed by medical folks. I, I think the difference for me, though, is the recruiting side and really making sure that we keep that as equal and level as possible. And with travel restrictions being very different in different parts of the country, um, we're not at a spot to be able to open up recruiting right now. I mean, th those things have to be level. To give institutions a little bit of leeway based on where you're at and can you safely do some of these things to allow some of the student-athletes to work out uh, a great example is if if you go to power shop gym in town and you're allowed to work out well why can't we figure out how to get our weight room open where we can take care of them better it's probably safer uh you know and, and those kinds of things so we're working through that right now uh and then trying to work on a plan to get some employees back uh you know we've all been away since march 12th and uh and so we've got uh, some work our university is working on kind of a june 1st at least to start getting the first phase of some of that going and uh, figuring out how we can do it safely. And then I think what's interesting, the average person out there wouldn't think about this. You can have all the greatest plans you want and, and uh, be able to set up getting people back. But if you don't have enough hand sanitizer, you don't have enough equipment to take care of it or to manage the spaces and clean them, um, and it's hard to get it. Uh, you know, the, every, every uh, place is sold out just to get a, a blend, uh, empty spray bottle. Like it's, you can't even find them. When you drive all over town, you can't find them. So that will probably dictate a little bit about how wide we're able to go early. And, and then we're going to have to learn. Um, and at the end of the day, it is tr strictly about um, being safe. I mean, the worst thing we could do is create a hot spot here because we handled it poorly. So our institution's doing an awesome job with this. A great organization. Uh, President Don is incredibly sharp and he has a great team we will have a good plan together to start unwinding that a little bit. And then obviously, as you get to the fall, uh, trying to work towards kind of an August 1st date, if we're going to be back in school, then we want our student athletes here and ready to go for those fall sports. And so we've got to figure that out. And then the third phase will be, how do we manage fans? You know, what, what's that going to look like? And 
Uh, we've got some pretty detailed things we're working on uh, in regards to how we might maximize that, yet be able to manage social distancing and, and safe. Uh, so we're working on all those. And I think that's the one thing I'd say uh, for folks listening out there is um, we, we have, we're, we're, we're running six budget models right now. We're running uh, several alternate plans to get people back and to get our student athletes back and to fit in this campus. Uh, we will be prepared. We don't know what the next step is or what the next answer is or what timeline that is. We don't control that. We do control, are we prepared to handle any scenario? And I can tell you, we're going to be absolutely prepared so we can handle it. And if we do it right, maybe it's a competitive advantage. Maybe we gain something where we, we're going to end up being able to have a great year, which is going to move us way farther forward next year when we get back to uh, being able to do full things. Well put. Uh, really appreciate that detailed explanation because, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head on a lot of things uh, that I wanted to ask you. I'm sure Chad as well. And, um, you know, I really appreciate your time here. Um, and I, I want to ask you one more question. Ten years in, uh, being AD at South Dakota State, now your 11th year, what, uh, what's been the biggest impact uh, for you personally? And what's uh, is there anything that sticks out that uh, you've learned throughout your time that, that you'd like to share with us about your experience? I, I think besides the fact that I think I wear a sleeveless hoodie pretty well, uh, <laughs> like, like Pat McAfee, um, y you know, uh, I, I just think uh, it, it's a unique, unique time of life for me. You know, I just turned 51 in January. And so to have of my family at the ages they are to have three of my boys three of my four kids go to SDSU to see SDSU as a dad as well as an employee uh, to have my wife work here um, I think you know I'm at that unique stage in life where things kind of uh, come together and uh, simple is almost better you know and, and, and the ability to you I know what I'm dealing with here I know the quality of people I know what we can do and how great we can be and that people are genuinely excited about that. And, and to be here 11 years in, um, and people are still equally as excited as the day I walked in the door. Um, I mean, uh, you know, to me, that just, that speaks volumes. It gives me energy to want to go do great things and, um, and, uh, and really uh, hopefully make South Dakota State a, a great university. But I think, it, uh, you know, it's the, it's the experiences and the memories that we create. And I, I remember your first year here. Uh, which, you know, that's uh, getting a few years ago. and uh, I'm gray up here. <laughs> I, 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 but I do, it's so funny because you go back and there are those moments where you just knew the institution was taking another step forward and you knew we were going to grow. And then you look this last year and you go from college game day. Um, you know, I think that was a capping experience for me from a standpoint of that was 15 years of hard work by a lot of people that is what brought that, um, spotlight to Brookings and to SDSU and then you follow it with an auction when nobody else thought you could do anything like shut them down don't even ask anybody for money and then we set records I think those two examples ca uh, capture my 11 years here so perfectly uh, but also keeps you really excited about what's the next one we're going to do uh, you know we're we're going to continue to uh, blow some people's minds and and get this thing done so I don't know, that's not a super direct answer, but I just, uh, I don't know that there's any one thing. It's the collective piece of just feeling so comfortable with where I'm at in my life and what we're doing. And, uh, and, and I use the term comfortable and people sometimes take that in a negative way. I haven't got comfortable. I, I like, I'm still highly driven to do big things, but I'm comfortable in that and, and I'm allowed to be here. And so all the, all the um, responses and, and uh, feelings from people that we get here for the work that we do, uh, it, it, those are the things that make a world of difference and, and make me feel great about uh, falling into the greatest place in the world 11 years ago. Uh, luckiest guy uh, in college athletics right here. Uh, I mean, well, that's, the, that's the kind of gratitude and consistency we expected. So it's, it's a little bit better than a, the one-word answer. So we appreciate it. <laughs> and, and if I have an opportunity to ask one last question, I guess, you know, podcasts are kind of awesome for the fact that they give a little bit of a behind-the-curtain view. Do you have a story that you could share that's maybe funny or cool or, or insightful of anything that's happened for you in the last – 11 years or something you've been a part of that's cool, funny, or 
are really kind of awesome. Oh my gosh. I, mind. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I don't even know how to narrow it down. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot, we have a lot of characters up here. I would say uh, we have a ton of fun. I, I would tell people out there, like we really enjoy our work and, and I think you can tell, uh, you know, with our coaches, we all get along uh, super well. Uh, so I think, uh, I think the uh, fact that, and then Kathy Halens is by far the funniest uh, person I've ever been around. And for a senior women's administrator, I wouldn't call that a normal characteristic of most uh, senior women administrators out there. She's a unique and special individual. But, um, you know, it, for me, the kind of the, uh, and it's uh, the impact of uh, March 6th of 2012. Um, you know, I think, uh, uh the impact of women's basketball, men's basketball on that one day when we had two overtime games. And uh, I remember uh, eight hours of, yeah, just like, and I can remember it like yesterday. I just like, I remember the date. I remember everything about it. And, and to have that opportunity, I think that was the first time I saw the power of sports take a whole institution and make it think completely differently about itself. And, uh, and so to go through that and, and uh, the stress and the pain of that day, and then it was just sheer joy walking back up through the Sheridan to go back to my car to head back. To, and people are all hanging out. And, uh, you know, those, those, and the, to see SDSU then up on the screen uh, in the NCAA tournament in both men's and women's basketball. And, Kyle, you remarked at the beginning, men, men's basketball struggled for a while. And, uh, and that was a team that I met Marcus Heemstra and Jordan Dykstra at a football game in the fall uh, in 2009. And, uh, and you had Nate and you had Chad and you had Tony and you had Braden in that class before. And a lot of people asked me, I, I could have probably made a change in men's basketball when I first got here. Uh, but Scott's a phenomenal coach and he just had some tough breaks. But he had a core that you thought would be really good. To see that from 2009 to walk through that door in 2012, uh, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget game day. I'll never forget. I mean, there's a thousand things, but that was probably the first one that really, really, really marked. Yeah, that, that was a great chapter in, uh, in, in a, what's becoming a longer novel for your Jackrabbit experience. But man, thanks. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, thanks to, to Tammy for helping us knuckleheads coordinate this and yeah, everybody very much. Yeah. And everybody behind the scenes who continues to help push the envelope for SDSU athletics, all the donors, everybody. Um, it's been a treat. So you, you guys take care of yourselves, be healthy. And until next time, go big, go blue, go, go, Jacks. go Jacks. Horns down. This has been the Splitting Hairs Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe as well as follow Jackrabbit Illustrated on Facebook and Twitter. At the end of the day, what I've learned for myself, um, it's, it's about uh, the ability to get people excited about what you're doing.